this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Anchor. If you don't know what Anchor is and you're thinking about starting a podcast, you should probably find out what Anchor is because Anchor is a free way to host your podcasts. It also gives you creation tools like the ability to record yourself, record with other people, edit as well, and do it from your phone or your computer. You don't need to go buy fancy tools to start. You can start with Anchor. And you can hit the nice distribute button, and it's going to send it out to all the places you want it to be, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and more. In addition to that, you can make money from your podcast with no basic listenership. In other words, if you only have 10 people because you're just starting, you can still monetize that. It's really hard to find a better place to start. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm and get started on the crazy podcast journey. surprise little beasties you didn't expect to see us this week did you well we have a surprise for you in the long run as well we are changing the format (laughs) something (laughs) no one ever wants to hear on a podcast more than once right Uh -uh. yeah and and this doesn't even account for the fact that we're not just changing the format but we're also changing the style in which we're recording um, the podcast pretty much from episode to episode now so (laughs) So our definition of changing the format, no, that's not what we talk about. It's not going to change. It's not the subject matter is going to change. Uh, we're just going to be here three times a month now instead of two times a month. And eventually we will move up to that four times a month slot. Uh, and we're, we're, we're also adding this, this particular episode to a different format than the other two. Um, I thought we so were do- that, that... doing the tips and tools today. The oh, one... we're doing tips and tools today? Yes. Holy cow, I thought we were doing a quote today. <laughs> no. But we might as well explain what that episode is. So next week – actually, before we go into that, just to clarify the schedule, we're not going to be going first of the month, middle of the month anymore. It's just going to be by weeks. So first week is going to be the art, the artist study when we pick a creator and we break them down, what we've been doing all along. Second one is this episode, which is the tips and tools. We break down what we learned in the episode before, any things that we've found uh, tool-wise or tips or techniques um, that we can break down in these episodes that will be in these episodes. The third episode, which Am, which, uh, Am, which Lamb just <laughs> alluded to, uh, I am a little bit off today, guys, so sorry about that. My headphones are echoing, can't figure out why, so I hear three of me, so I might be a little off today. But the third format, the third week format will be, we're kind of calling it the inspiration episode. Basically, Lamb and I are both going to find a quote from something that's uh, bringing value to us, that's inspiring us. We're going to bring that to you in the third episode, and then we're going to break it down together, Um, what he's getting out of it, and then it'll be the first time I hear what he brings. So I'll give my input and then vice versa. 
and then we'll take a week off and then we'll start again. And when we go up to four times a month, that fourth slot will be filled with interviews. So we're bringing you guys more. Um, I hope you guys are as excited as we are because Lamb and I have been talking about this. We're, we're really into podcasting right now. Yeah, I'm super excited at the fact that I totally got the wrong format for this episode. I've been doing research on Fyodor Dostoevsky for a week for this episode. Well, now you know. So now, so now I mean, I guess we should have talked about that before we started recording, but <laughs> uh, it is what it is. And yeah, we've always that. done things on the on the fly on this show anyway, so. Well, it's not like I'm not – I mean, on the tips and tactics uh, and apps episode, I'm I'm always ready for that anyway because I'm always using this stuff. So that's that's easy to flow into either way. And one that I really wanted to get into today, which is something that you wouldn't even have to prepare for because we've lived it, my idea for today was um, something that we've kind of hinted at before but we've never really stepped into, which is talking about the journey of this podcast in the sense of what tools we've used, what has worked for us, what hasn't worked for us. Um, I guess in some way we would talk about what we're using now, which is still in flux a little bit. Um, and also I would like to go into now that both of us are, are working on solo podcasts, how that journey has gone from what we learned from doing this into our solo, how it's different, um, what tools we use that are different, stuff like that. So I, I think that'll be a fun one. Sure. And, uh, but before we go into that, there, let's go into other stuff. If you have other stuff that you want to bring in, let's do some, uh, let's do some short form stuff at the beginning. Hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, it's just been the, 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 the interesting journey of writing something to be read, um, as well. So, I mean, that's, I, I'm assuming that that goes into our discussion concerning the podcast itself, but, um, short form stuff, um, I don't know. Why don't you start on that one? I'm kind of digging through my own brain on that one a little bit. Okay. Well, one thing I wanted to talk to you about, and I figured I'd save it for this show because it was it relates to one of our previous subjects. And like I've always said, when we find stuff about these artists that we've studied in the past or creators that we've studied in the past, and we find more stuff about them or something new, we're going to keep bringing that back to you. And uh, you guys are going to find that in these second, um, whatever you want to call these these um, tips and tricks episodes. Um, I watched the Nick Cave documentary one more time mm. with feeling. Yeah. Wow. That's all I have to say. Um, at first, I'll say this: uh, the, the filming seems the, the the cinematography seems kind of weird. Goes in and out of focus. It wasn't until like twenty minutes into the movie, I think, that I found out the reason for that is because the whole thing was filmed on a three D camera. Oh, huh. So I, I'm not a big 3D movie person, but there's certain things that happen with this camera. Like they make the camera seem like it goes through walls. That makes me think that if I was watching this on 3D, it probably would have been even more incredible. I wonder why the creative choice was made to do 3D. Because Nick Cave doesn't seem like the kind of guy who would who would embrace that kind of technology for for that kind of project. It's odd. I have a feeling that it's. Um, I can't remember the director's name right now, but I think it's how he pitched it to him. I he see. said, oh, "We want to do, we want to do this." I, I've been trying to use the 3D camera, and he's like, "Okay, sure, let's do it." Uh, there's there's a few points in the documentary for those um, who didn't listen to the Nick Cave episode. 
you should go back and maybe listen to that before you do this one. It'll probably enrich um, this conversation for you a little bit. Um, but if you don't feel like it, I'll just give you a brief information right now. Nick Cave's son, Arthur, uh, died last year. Or was it a year and a half ago? Uh, I think it's a year and a half ago now. Uh, he died. He fell off of a cliff um, while he was out with friends. Um, and Nick Cave was in the, he'd already written songs for a new album, uh, but he hadn't really started recording yet. So he recorded his last album, Skeleton Tree, which is, I think, my favorite Nick Cave album now. Yeah. And this is the documentary that's journaling that recording process. And uh, there's a point in there where he says in one of the interviews, he's like, it takes about half the movie for him to really get into talking about his son. But he says uh, that something like that happens and it changes you and you find yourself doing things you wouldn't normally do, like doing a documentary about this kind of stuff. And the documentary is not about the death of his son. It really is about the recording of an album. So I don't want to lead you guys into uh, thinking something different. But that bleeds into the album. It's a very restrained look. In in like Lam, you and I talked about how um, the sound and and what's going on in the music of Skeleton Tree is very restrained and it, and it holds back uh, that grief at an arm's length, and that's kind of what makes it good. So the the documentary kind of fits with that. I would think that you should probably watch it so you can tell people what you think of it. Yeah, I'm probably, I, I, I mean, just because of what's been going on at work lately, I haven't had much time to do much else. Um, but that's definitely on the list of literally the next thing I'm going to watch. Um, that's the one thing that actually really shocked me about Skeleton Tree is how disciplined it felt. Um, and considering, you know, for, for the sake of the Nick Cave episode, we dove deep into Nick Cave's extensive library of music and Although there are commonalities across the board when it comes to, to certain albums or certain eras of his work, I think Skeleton Tree is a weird one because it stands alone in a lot of ways um, in, its, in its simplicity, its discipline, and its focus. And I think that um, if the documentary is anything close to that, then I think it, 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 Nick Cave rarely does anything by accident. So I have a feeling that the, the, the almost subdued feel of the documentary is probably made to coincide with the the music that's coming from skeleton tree as well i would recommend that everybody go watch it it's on amazon we'll talk about it more once lamb's seen it um but i just wanted to bring it up tell you guys to go check it out um our next artist study we usually announce these um we are gonna do bjork both uh lamb and i have a huge respect for bjork so that's going to be a really fun one. So go grab some Bjork albums, listen up, check out some interviews and be ready for that one, which will be in three weeks from today. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of the few that we've decided on uh, very quickly and very unanimous, unanimously. Every, you know, for anyone who hasn't, uh, who, who doesn't understand the behind the scenes process for us when it comes to choosing subjects for the uh, artist studies. Um, it's usually a deliberation process and we kind of whittle it down from a few that we, we have kicking around in our brains. Um, but Bjork was definitely one where we're both, we both you, you very quickly said, Oh, yep. That's the right one. We're doing that. <laughs> yeah. We, we kind of operate on feel. Um, we don't really argue, but 
but it's just yeah. kind of like we'd throw ideas and then all of a sudden there's one that's like, yep. And you yep. just kind of know it. Yep. Yep. So, uh, Bjork guys, check out Bjork. Be ready for that one. I think that's going to be a really, really interesting one because, um, not only is it going to bring in her music, but, um, the collaborations with, we talked about this briefly before we started recording with, uh, Spike Jones and with Michelle Gondry when she made music videos, which was a huge creative collaboration with the, made some of the best music videos of all time, in my opinion. Agreed. Yeah. It, it, it brought us, it, when I first saw Army of Me, um, that was the first uh, one, I, at least I think it's the first one she did with Gondry. Um, it was in the era when music videos were finally taking on a very, very artistic feel. Like I remember um, Just from Radiohead had come out um, at the time as well. Um, and, and a couple of really cool Nine Inch Nails videos as well um, with some real artistry and some real, some, some real, some real, responsibility when it came to narrative storytelling in a music video as well. And not just a bunch of dudes standing around in a garage, singing to a microphone, staring at a camera. <laughs> yeah. I think if you really, that would be an interesting thing to break down at one point is the history of music videos. Mm -hmm. Is There's, I mean, like you said, there was so much of it that was not that, but then you look back, you have thriller, which was that, which may be the epitome of the creative concept with narrative um anyways uh let me look at this list here oh let's do a little shout out real quick um someone who gave us a shout out on instagram i want to give you a shout out back um allison schneckenberg hello thank you for listening and even more so thank you for sharing yeah we greatly appreciate it uh if you guys want to check her out on instagram it's schnecks at S C H N A C K S. Give her a hello. Uh, and speaking of shout outs, last week, um, Dan Benjamin, who is uh, the mastermind behind 5x5, Five Five, which is a podcast network, um, he has, I think he has like five or six podcasts that he's doing right now. Um, not to mention the ones that he's hosting as the podcast host and he's also the creator of our podcast hosting site fireside which we'll get into more when we break this stuff down but he has a show for any of you budding uh podcasters he has a show called the podcast method and you should go check that out he gives a lot of tips and tricks on equipment everything building an audience uh, he only does it uh, every few months or whatever when he has something to bring to the table. So it's it's good to go back and just listen to the whole thing almost like it's a audio archive instead of a show. And uh, last week I had asked him a question. He answered the question on the show and probably shouted out my name about 12 times. So Jeez. thank you, Dan Benjamin. Uh, Lamb, anything from you? Um. On the shout out side, um, I would like to thank uh, my friend Nikki up in um, Seattle for kind of spreading the word with the podcast. Apparently, she played it at a coffee shop. Um, your, she she played one of the Murakami, parts of the Murakami episode um, because she was studying Murakami and wrote an essay about him and thought that we had some pretty cool things to say. So that was cool. Um, but other than that, uh, I think on the shout out side, at least that's it for me. And that's uh, something I wanted to say, too, uh, going along the lines with that. Big shock 
that uh, the Murakami episode is by far our most popular episode. Um, and I, I think that if you're a, if you're a podcaster and you're thinking about your topics and you're worried about what's going to have mass appeal and what's not, don't worry about it. Because I guarantee you, Lamb and I, we did not go into the Murakami episode thinking that we were going to have twice as many viewers or listeners of that episode than any other. Because Murakami is kind of obscure. Yeah, not only that, but the the the, the amount of uh, compliments that I've gotten about the Murakami episode. My friend Nikki, for example, up in Seattle, um, and half her class, uh, she you know she studies at um, University of Washington, and she said that um, a lot of her classmates really really like what we had to say, not just about Murakami, but a few of them went back and listened to some of our other episodes as well. And there's a weird satisfaction I feel um, from academics who study this this type of subject matter especially something as dense as murakami uh giving us a little bit of love um it it makes me feel like we're we're doing it the right way and we're giving these amazing artists the type of respect and care that they deserve i feel like that's a a ground that is important to cover you know because academia is important you and i are both um fans of academia especially when it comes to literature but then there's you know, the average person who maybe hasn't gone to college to study literature, hasn't done as much reading, there's there's a gap between those two because academia is focused on academia and and people don't know how to access that. So if we can find, like, I guess you would call it middle ground, if we can find a middle ground on the show to just kind of spark some interest in topics and give you guys an entry point, that's really cool because I, it, it, I really believe that. Um, these creators knowing more about them uh, they'll enrich your life honestly though I think from that perspective we are the middle ground um, you and I because I think although we have a great respect for academia I think both of us are kind of on the outside of the academia academia establishment looking in um, I think for for you know you went to Bellarmine I went to, to Homestead so we inherently grew up in academic environments, but I get the sense that we're both kind of rebels within that environment. Um, and so for me, I know that I, as much as I respected a lot of the, the, the work itself, um, a lot of it for me was just looking at what I particularly liked versus what I was told I should like. Um, and I think that, that the episodes that we've done um, are clear indicators of that for, for both you and I. It's not necessarily that we studied things that we figured were, were academic or, or made us um, – I, I, I guess the responsibility of, of being smart um, and, and appreciating good things and, and, and good literature falls on us um, rather than what we're told, um, if that makes any sense. Right. Yeah. We. I, I'm pretty sure if you went back and looked at what I was reading during college, which, by the way, I flunked out of. Uh... <laughs> Same here. I feel you, man. <laughs> um, I was never reading. This is probably why I flunked out. I was never reading what I was supposed to be reading. Same here. I, you and I have probably had very similar paths in higher education because of that. Not to say that I didn't learn a lot. It's, it's funny because in, in, in those years, I actually learned how to learn. Um, and I think that that was probably the most useful thing that I got out of um, academia it was not necessarily any particular bit of information, but how to access information and then how to process it with my own mind. Um, so that's, that's very useful. That's, I mean, isn't that reason that they, isn't that the reason that they make every college student take composition because composition teaches you to organize your thoughts and present them in a manner that other people understand it. 
So I, I think if you were to expand that to what the goal of education is and essentially what academia is, is to teach you how to think or to teach you how to think clearly is probably a better way to say it. Sure. But I do think that one thing that is very much missing from academia um, is teaching people how to remember and teaching people how to build um, narratives that define stories. Well, and maybe that's just my own particular learning process and how I learn things better or easier. Um, but I always, like with history, for example, wanted to construct a narrative that made it so that I was remembering a story and not just facts. Right. Well, I think that, and that also, it all comes down to very specifics of school teacher you know one teacher may be very good at that one might mm -hmm. suck at it one be might be very passionate one might be exhausted <laughs> yeah that's true so uh and, and like you said that's because in 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 the long run a teacher's guide is to well i guess i said it is to guide you <laughs> but your your job is i mean the responsibility is yours um and and that's we're not talking about just people in school i mean in life um, your job to in, enhance uh, your knowledge, to expand your mind, to understand new things, it, nobody's going to do that for you. Um, we're not going to do that for you. That's you. Um, all people can do is hand you tools, hand you uh, sources, um, and maybe spark a little bit of interest, get you a little bit excited, inspire you. Um, but ultimately, it's you, and that's and that's what's awesome about it because you can make whatever you want of it. You know, in a weird kind of way, um, for my friend up in Seattle who shared her our Murakami episode with her with her classmates, um, I would actually love it if a bunch of them found um, an interest in our other subjects like Nick Cave and and you know uh, David Lynch, rather than just being more interested in Murakami. I would just I, for me, I guess um, for for the the episodes in which we're doing um, the artists' profiles, I I love the idea of people having a, 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 you know, that moment of discovery. Cause I remember, you know, when I, I saw a Frida Kahlo painting for the first time, or when I saw um, a David Lynch movie for the first time, I remember that, that, that awe and that reverence that I had within that first, that first viewing. And I, I hope that we can give that to other people as well. Um, especially concerning the, the subjects that we cover. And, and in, a, in a roundabout way that kind of brings us into this whole journey as a podcast. So I, do you remember exactly when we started the original show? Oh man, I don't. It was, it was a, a, it, it about was, now, was, right? Yeah, I, I I figured it was about probably February or March. Um, what was that 2014 that we started? Holy cow! No, 2015. No, 2015. Jeez, Wait, that still feels no. so long ago. 2016. Are Last you sure? Year. It's only been a year. Oh wow! Why does it feel like longer? Because okay. we're old. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess yeah, about a year. I mean, I, I, it feels like because we've done so many episodes that I just assumed that it was longer. And we've we've explained this a little bit before, but we're going to go into some depth here. Um, the reason the show was originally called Random Badassery is because it was random. Um, our topics went wherever we went. And I mean, there were chaos. Actually, I think right now, I'm going to go back into the archive. I'm going to pull a piece of the first episode if I can find it. If not, I'll find a piece from the oldest episode I have. And I'm going to put it in right here. <laughs> 
Huh. Okay, so what's going on? Nothing much, man. Um, seems like the more I try to get into technology, the less I want to get into technology. So that's kind of where I am now. I as in, to... as in, it frightens you, or well, as in, like, as in, I carry a laptop, an iPad, an iPhone, a separate phone for a second business. So I literally have four different devices transmitting at any given time. My location. Bluetooth signals, Wi-Fi connections, just a monstrous amount of RF just running through my body at any given time. So I'm afraid I'm just going to get like some kind of weird techno disease and turn into, I don't know, Akira or something and start eating San Jose. And hopefully you'll be able to see from that how the sound, hopefully the sound's better from that we've learned. <laughs> I was going to say, there's, gonna, there, there's absolutely no promise of that at all, because there's a possibility that that sound might have sounded better than what we sound like now. And, uh, so, Lamb, do you want to explain how we recorded the first episode? Um, oh, wow. Um, you and I were sitting there staring at each other in your in your room with uh, clipboards and microphones. Um, I with mean, it was pretty earbuds. much as, yeah, with earbuds, it was pretty much as ghetto as you could possibly get. Um, so it's a pretty far cry from where we are now. Like, I mean, Chad and I both have our mini, mini respective recording studios, um, of which I have a, a picture up on our Instagram on my side of what my setup looks like. Um, and I have a feeling that Chad's is pretty similar too, as well. Um, his is probably a little fancier than mine even. Uh, I think that the funniest part about that first episode was, well, Two things, actually. Number one, neither of us had any idea what to expect. So we tried to sit as far away from each other in the room as we could <laughs> so that we wouldn't bleed into each other's microphones. We weren't talking on Skype or anything like that. We weren't even talking on the phone. We were literally both recording into the voice memo app on our individual phones. So we only had one side of the conversation on each end, and I had to sync that up later, which was a nightmare. Um, yeah, you want you want to talk about your editing process on that? I still am curious about what you did for those first few episodes that that made oof. them. I mean, because if you if you go back and listen to those old episodes, which I don't think you can anymore. Um, I think we pulled all of those. Um, but you you can definitely there's there's a crispness to them that I think is really interesting considering how they were recorded. There was a lot of um, I think if I remember correctly, it's. It's been a while, guys. Sorry, we've done a lot. Back with that original show, um, before we go any further into this, that original show, like I said, was random. It wasn't based on creativity. It was actually kind of tech-based almost at first. Like, I'd say at least 80% of the show. Uh, but that there was so much energy and excitement on both of our parts because we were so ready to start this. That the conversation was just chaos, and that's but we were we weren't censoring ourselves, so there was f bombs here, there, everywhere. <laughs> you remember that? Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. There, um, so I think I'm pretty sure when we recorded that that we we had enough foresight to clap. Yes, we did. So that I could that's sync right. up the claps. Um, otherwise, I have no idea how I would have done that. And going into this, I had the only experience with editing I had was editing vlogs. Yeah. So my original editing software for this podcast was Adobe Premiere. I just used the video editing software that I knew how to use and just worked with only audio files. That's right. I forget that you did that. It wasn't a bad solution. Yeah. Um, there's not a lot of EQing. Uh, I mean, there's some, but not 
obviously comparable um, to even something like GarageBand, which is pretty basic, which is actually what um, I use for my solo show. Um, but I just kind of went in there and I just played with the knobs until it sounded not crappy to me. <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. I mean, I'm not a sound engineer. And uh, I just worked with the tool I knew. So, I mean, if if you guys are going to start something, work with something you know already. And then learn something as you go along. That's what we did. We we failed. I wouldn't say we failed, but we've um, we've fallen. We've tripped. We've messed up a lot in this. And it's been great. Yeah, I mean, the number of changes, um, I, the, not even just that we've made, but that we continue to make um, to the show in order to make it more viable for both of us. Because I think one of the original intentions for the show was to to make it so that we could have the option of, of recording remotely um, from any given location. Because, you know, for, for at least for my purposes, I would like to live, eventually live a nomadic life where I can travel quite a bit and work from pretty much anywhere. So the option to be to, to be able to record from any location is pretty paramount um to me doing anything like this in the future so you know pretty much on a week-to-week basis or a show-to-show basis we're still making changes and still evolving the show into what we think um not just makes the most sense for us creatively but also what makes the most sense for us technically as well right and this this show was originally it's very basic we didn't i honestly i don't know i didn't ever ask you this but um for me I don't know that I ever expected that anyone would listen. Yeah, I definitely didn't. <laughs> and I think that that's, you know, in almost everything that I've read about podcasts or, or creative project, like creative projects like this in general, um, the less you care, the, the better your, your results are in the long run. Um, and I think that that's definitely true with us is that I think the less we've cared, the better it's turned out and not, not care when I, I, I don't get me wrong. When I say care, I mean, um, not care about the show because obviously we work pretty hard on the show and we want it to, to sound really good. I mean, if people could only see the lavish notes that we have on, on some of the artist profiles that we've done. Um, when I say care, I mean, we, we care less and less about, um, focusing on, on getting an audience and just more about the quality of the work itself. And I think that in both the short run and the long run, it's made both, both Chad and I happier about the prospect of doing this. And it's also made the show itself just much, much better. Yeah. I think there was a, the beginning, it was just exciting. Yeah. And for a while, it became almost work. Um, we were doing weeklies originally. Oh, God. Which <laughs> is, is a horrible place to start when you don't know what you're doing. The, especially for me on the editing end, having to figure out how to do that stuff and to do it consistently every week. And at the same time, I was editing a vlog every day. Um, it was hardcore. So Jeez, I, I still have no idea how you did the vlog at the same time. That is monstrous. <laughs> sure willpower, sheer willpower. <laughs> well, let me actually, actually, that's a great thing to kind of segue into this. Actually, I, I always wanted to ask you about that. And it seems to fit the theme of the episode, which is how the heck did you do that every day? I mean, I just think about um, your, your process, for example, for, for, for doing it. Can you walk people through what your video editing podcast or I'm, I'm sorry, your video editing process look like? Sure. I mean, I think in a lot of ways it relates to what we're talking about with the podcast too. Um, not only because at the time I was using the same software, um, with the vlog, I would just bring a camera with me everywhere. 
Um, and you just, I don't know, like when you start out, you don't know what you're filming. It's the same thing, you know, like I went into the podcast, I went into the vlog, neither of which I had anything I, I had any clue about. Um, and you, you know, the, the most important thing is you, you start imitating people. You know, people talk about being original all the time, but number one, there is nothing original in the world. Um, everything is built on the back of somebody else, but we imitation is an important phase of learning. You find something, you learn everything you can from that. Then you find something else and you learn everything you can from that. And you learn those things by imitating them. And in the time that there's an amalgam that happens, like if you watch my vlogs now, you'll see a little bit of Casey Neistat. You'll see a little bit of Wheezy Waiter. See a little bit of Grace Helbig. All the people that I was looking at when I started, there's a little bit of piece of them came from that. So one of the things that was big that I learned from Casey Neistat was have the camera with you at all times and start looking at the little things that are happening and how you can find a way to put your camera in a place that can capture that because you need those, you know, there's the talking segments, which um, actually at first I was awful at the talking segments. Um, I would forget to talk to the camera, um, but you want to break up the talking and the action, the talking, the action. That's one of the first notes that I took. Um, yes, I took it a piece of paper and I took notes. Um, so I would just film little things like, oh, I'm going to wash my hands right now. Oh, cool. Let's put the camera right here. Show me turning on the faucet. Let me put the camera here. Show my hands go into the water. Uh, let's put the camera here. Let's just film myself drying my hands. Cool. Now I have a little boom, boom, boom. I know I can cut those three together. And so I would just carry the camera with me everywhere. And then I would sit down. And I'd pull all that stuff in. I, I think I did things a little bit different than a lot of these other guys do in the sense that they were using multiple cameras. And that was just too much for me. I needed it all just on one device. I didn't want to have to try to figure out the order. Um, so almost everything that went in my vlogs, at least at first, was filmed chronologically. Because I didn't mm. want to reorder things. Because I, I, I felt like I'd get lost. And even, even with that process, how long would the editing take you on a day-to-day -day basis? When I started? Yeah. Uh, eight to nine hours. Holy crap. <laughs> and I'm not exaggerating. I'm not joking. But, I mean, we're talking about somebody who had no idea how to use the tool he was using. Sure. Um, no idea how to cut to music. No idea how to cut and film a narrative. I knew nothing. So I, it was not really eight and eight to nine hours of just editing. It was eight to nine hours of learning. Got it. Um, in the middle phase, I got it down to about four hours. So for, I think for the bulk of those 200 episodes, I was uh, in about a four hour editing process. Mm. Um, near the end, I got down to about two hours. I was really stoked about that. And now when I edit a vlog, I can usually do it in under an hour. Got it. Is it and and when it comes to the editing, the reason why it's so fast now is it is it because you film differently, I film um, or because you organize differently? Both. Well, not so much organize, but uh, I film differently because uh, you edit enough, and this comes this will come into sound engineering as well. When you do enough editing, uh, when you're doing things, it's in your head already, so you're already editing while you're making it. So when I'm filming, I know okay. If I do this, I do that. Okay, that's a good sequence. I know that all I have to do is go in and I can chop out that section, chop out that section, boom, boom, boom. They all hit together. Um, it's also a little bit faster now because I don't bother putting music into my vlogs. Mm -hmm. 
it's a very Casey Neistat thing. It's, it's extraneous for the, some of the stuff I'm doing because um, I'm not riding an electronic skateboard down the street. Um, I'm not moving around a lot. I'm not seeing a lot of cool scenery. So there's not a lot of cool visuals to go with the music. So I try to stick to more just me talking and keep it brief. Um, so that's so part from, of it. So here's the interesting question for, for uh, what I'm trying to get at through all of these questions when it comes to the, the vlog is, um, you know, there are going to be plenty of people out there who are looking to start some kind of creative project. And for, for some people, the easiest place to start is just where their lives naturally fall, which is the reason why vlogging is something that's that's interesting. Um, the so let me ask you this: why why the decision to go daily, and then why the decision to stop? Uh, I think the original the reason when I first started, my first two episodes were weekly. The reason I went to daily was, I mean, number one, Casey Neistat was doing it, um, and I was watching these, and it just seemed impossible. It seemed like doing that every day was impossible that how could you record that edit it and have it ready in the morning boom here you go new episode every day and i don't know i think it just became a bug in me where it's like that's so impossible that's so impossible and then it became i want to try the impossible sure so i i guess it was just gall <laughs> Just, just sheer stubborn determination. <laughs> just to see if I could do it. Oh, uh, that's that's funny. And I, so, so your rebellious nature took over and, and fought against itself, essentially. Like your brain tells you that you can't. Your nature is just like, no, screw that. I'm trying this. Absolutely. And it was the best thing I ever did because I, to this day, anytime I think about doing something creative, I don't doubt myself anymore. I just try it. You well, know, cause you, because you took on the impossible and pulled it off. Right. And I... I, the goal of the vlog was never to be successful, quote unquote, um, in the eyes of the world, I guess is the way to say it. It was successful to me because my obstacle was to do it, just to be able to do it. And I achieved that. I achieved that for 200 days in a row. I didn't miss a single episode. Um, the only reason I stopped doing daily was because uh, I got bored with it. Sure. It uh, is certain – Casey Neistat talks about this too when um, – because he stopped doing the vlog for about four or five months, I think. Um, it becomes routine. Uh, and when it becomes routine, it's not fun anymore. Sure. So uh, I, I still do vlogs here here and again. Actually, I just put one up last night. Uh, but the podcast is more my focus right now and the novel, of course. Uh, and I'm using that YouTube, those vlogs or whatever. I'm not even calling them vlogs anymore, but the videos I put up on YouTube in some way, I think are just going to be kind of behind the scenes of what's going on with me. And in a lot of ways, I'm sure this podcast is going to come up there a lot. Um, both my podcasts. Mm -hmm. Um, but the, I want to talk about the next step. What do we do after the, the earbuds? Do you remember? Oh, by the way, we were watching Willy Wonka on mute. The yep, whole time. we were. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> God, uh, I wish we, I wish we had done like some time lapse or, or behind the scenes um, photos at the time. That the recording setup was so funny. Oh yeah, yeah. We, we Gene Wilder just just going crazy in the background. I, th that movie is crazy enough with the sound. Um, for anyone who hasn't <laughs> seen it without the sound, that is a very very different experience. <laughs> um, and I think after that was, so we went to recording in separate locations, and I think. 
At okay. first, we just tried with earbuds still, and that was not a great option. Um, and and so we eventually went to laptops and snowballs, I think, was next after that. Right, and Skype. Yeah, and Skype, which is what we're back onto now for a while. We had a brief stint with uh, Ringer. Um, and although Ringer is a great idea, it's still lacking a number of features that, that we really needed to have in order for that to be a viable solution for us. So uh, we are back to good old Skype again. And for those of you who want to do a podcast, uh, this double-ender podcast like this, um, what you do is you get Skype and then – I can't – can't remember. There's there's a version of this on Windows that's different. One of yeah. you needs a recording plugin for Skype. Um, I'm using a Mac, so I use uh, Ecamm's Call Recorder. Works great. Basically, it just records the call. Um, I have it set to. Can't remember what quality I'm I'm saving at. Uh, I'm looking right now in case you guys because you can't see what I'm doing. I can't remember. It doesn't matter. Uh, whatever I'm recording at right now, when I grab it um, and I pull it in, it gives me – well, actually, I don't know what it's going to give me because I'm using GarageBand to edit now. Um, when I was using Premiere, I would grab the file, would pull in, and it would give me LAM and myself as two separate audio tracks so that I could uh, EQS. Hopefully, it does that when I do this in GarageBand. Um, <laughs> Hopefully. So – uh, going back to the back end on editing, what's really difficult about these um, these double-enders is if you're recording on one audio track, both of you, and one of you is louder, which usually it's me, um, <laughs> <laughs> I just talk louder. Um, the problem with that is obviously you don't want to put it out like that. You, nobody wants to listen to huge sound difference. And hopefully you're not talking over each other a lot, so that won't be too much of a problem. But what you have to do if it's one audio track is you literally have to go in and graph the volume for every segment or that everybody's talking. So like right now, if I'm louder, I'd have to go in and lower myself by drawing a line and pulling that down. And then I'd have to make a curve up for when Lamb starts talking so that he can be up. And then when he ends talking, I have to go down and do me. And this is an hour and a half podcast. So that takes a very, very long time. I would probably, I, I mean, I'd go so far as to say that um, equal sound volumes are even more important than sound quality. Um, and for anyone out there who's doing a podcast, as we've discovered, sound quality doesn't necessarily make or break the the. the the listenability of a podcast, but the difference in sound volume definitely can. <laughs> right. Yeah. If you go listen to like some of Tim, Fer Tim Ferriss's interviews, sometimes the second person's call quality is awful. You mm -hmm. can't even, I mean, it's, it's just, and it's like those um, call-ins on radio shows, but it doesn't matter as long as the people can understand the words. I mean, yeah. if you can do both, definitely do both. Um, that's why Lamb and I are back on the snowballs because even though the earbuds were okay and they were passable, um, passable audio, that rubbing sound was not acceptable. And that's the main reason that we switched back. Yeah. So I guess from a priority perspective for anyone out there who's working on a podcast, priority one is to make sure that your sound levels are even and priority two is to make sure your sound quality is good. 
Um, but as long as your sound sound levels are even, I mean, even our some of our, our most successful episodes are some of um, our worst sounding, at least to us anyway. So there's definitely something to be said about that. Yeah, the, the subject matter is always going to be number one. That's why, like, like Lamb says, is just make sure you get to good at least. Yeah. Because if people can't understand you, then it doesn't matter what you're talking about. Yeah, well, it's the nature of the medium. We're talking, so if people can't understand what you're saying, then that defeats the purpose of the medium. <laughs> and just as a guiding point, think about this, guys. When you're listening before you, you know, before you start EQing, just think about not as being a sound engineer. Think about being a person who's just put on earbuds, is going to go for a walk and listen to something. Anything that's going to annoy you while you're walking is going to annoy everybody else. So that bristling sound, let's see if I can replicate it right now. I don't think I can. (laughs) Um, I was somehow doing it before here. Let me me try. There it is. That's it. That sound, if you can avoid that, (laughs) you're about... I would say you're above 80 to 80% of amateur podcasters, if not 90% of amateur podcasters. And it's, it's funny because now that we've been doing this podcast for so long, you can spot what people are using to record by the, the, the background noise. <laughs> Anytime I hear that scratching sound now, I always, I always think in my mind, yep, they're recording with earbuds. And another thing to keep in mind also, guys, is over-the-ear headphones, superbly important because uh, they're going to prevent sound leak. And what's sound leak? That means uh, when Lamb is talking, if my earphones leak sound out of them, it's going to go into my microphone. So you're going to hear Lamb twice, which is not good for audio at all. It sounds like an echo chamber. But by that same token, um, in your situation, like your situation from this morning, also make sure you can hear yourself because otherwise that's real distracting. (laughs) Yeah, big problem I'm having with Skype right now is I have these $90 Sony MDR number, 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 whatever they're, 8705 or something like that, um, headphones that I bought. Guess what? I can't hear myself. (laughs) Skype doesn't give you audio feedback or there's a setting I haven't figured out. So I had to open GarageBand and use the monitoring in GarageBand just to hear myself to record this. And for some reason, I'm really echoey. So like I said at the beginning, I'm hearing three of me. Um, And I have one of my headphones half on and half off right now too. So we still haven't perfected it. Um, But if I didn't tell you that, you guys wouldn't have known that. It's not affecting our sound quality. Yep. And let's see, other tools. Oh, so we went to Skype next. Skype, it, it's great, but we, we we had a problem with Lamb's router a lot. He would cut out. Um, he If you, I think you probably heard it a little bit in the last episode. Um, you get a little robot voice sometimes. Oh, no, it wouldn't have been the last episode. No, yeah, we haven't heard that in a while. Um, but it's hard. If you don't know what I mean by robot voice, you would know it if you heard it. So it's it's just his voice starts. Uh, I don't know how to describe it anymore. It starts pixelating, and that's a visual cue. Um, so we had a lot of problems with that. So we would have to. There was a period of time there where the lamb stop, 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 and I'd have to stop him in the middle of a train of thought. Hang up, call him back, and then give him a cue to where he was, and hope that we created a transition. That would happen. I think one time it happened like six times in an episode. 
Yeah, and in listening back to that episode, I was very proud of how smooth we we. I, I could only really tell one time, um, and if I if I didn't know um, where they were just because I was the one recording with you, I wouldn't have known at all. Like last week's episode, you and I noticed that there's a lot of stuff missing from last week's episode. Everybody out there doesn't know that. Sure. Um, so basically, I know we're jumping around a lot here, but after Skype, we went to Ringer. Um, Ringer is an iPhone app. Um, they do have a desktop version, which we used last week. Didn't turn out so well. It's in beta. It's not their fault. Um, but it's it's essentially it, it's a it's like Skype in the sense that you you can call, but it's specifically made for recording. And it records each call separately. So Lamb's internet connection is recording his audio. And my internet connection is recording my audio. Ringer puts the two of them together and then sends the audio file to you with the two of them together. Um, and it worked great when we were just using the iPhones. But last week, when to get rid of that bristling sound, when I went back to the Snowball, I used the desktop beta. And it... The last 15 minutes of the podcast, our audio was out of sync. Um, mm. So I don't think I still have that file. If I if I still have that audio file, I'll put in a clip right here of us being out of sync. Stop paying attention to the things that suck. And or the things Pay attention that to really the things you're grateful way. for. Um, Start that, there. I, I find that that also helps me to, to, to motivate. Like, yes. for example, I got back into photography. So basically what happened was uh, Lamb would come in, I think it was a second and a half earlier than when he actually spoke. So sometimes we'd be talking over each other or there'd be these weird, awkward silences because it's when he <laughs> should have been talking. Like the time when I said, oh, did you see my picture of the snail? And then it's just, and then just silence. <laughs> <laughs> like Lamb had no interest in what I was saying. <laughs> Or or one part where you're just laughing by yourself, and then oh, you, yeah. and you say yeah, that was very strange. <laughs> it's wonderful, just out of the blue. Or it was a, it was it was a wonderful, and then it's just this weird awkward silence. So that didn't work out too well. It actually took me about four and a half hours to edit last week's episode 